you. Well, good morning. It's great when we come together to worship, isn't it? And sense God's presence. And as Hugh said, uh, great job by the guys today, as always. And so very blessed with uh, the gifts and uh, talents of uh, people in the church. And uh, we must never take that lightly. And so thank you, every one of you. Well, we're on a little series and we're coming to the end of it, really. Uh, this is the penultimate session of this series on names associated with Jesus. And so today we're looking at the theme, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's a, it's a phrase that is well used if you've been in church any length of time. You'll have sung songs about it, you'll have heard it declared, you'll have heard it spoken of, um, and we just want to focus for a few minutes on this theme. And the phrase King of Kings is used three times in relation to Jesus. And, uh, but there's quite a few indicators that Jesus is king outside of those three. And so I just want to track some of those through scripture initially and then try and bring some application into our own hearts and lives. So if you think about um, the prophetic writings of the Old Testament, the classic one that comes to mind is, you know, we would have been thinking about it probably almost two months ago now. It's Christmas is almost two months ago, isn't it? It's mad. That means it's only 10 months to go till another Christmas. <laughs> Um, let's put that to one side just for a moment. But Isaiah 9, the prophet says in verse 7, talking about the coming Messiah, the coming Jesus, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. So a declaration that this coming one is going to reign. It's going to be on a throne. There's going to be a kingdom. Speaking about a king. There's going to be a throne and there's going to be a kingdom. We're talking about a king. And this is a coming one. When you get into the New Testament, right uh, to that point where Jesus is about to be born, you get the declaration by Gabriel, the angel, to Mary, who appears to her in Luke chapter 1. And he says to her, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Linking this categorically with that prophetic statement in Isaiah chapter 9. A declaration of Jesus, the coming king. So you get that, you get the prophetic writings, you get the Annunciation, and then Jesus himself. John chapter 18, towards the end of his earthly life, and uh, he's put on trial, and he's brought before Pilate. And it says in John 18, and Pilate went back into the palace, and he summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate was trying to ascertain who this Jesus was and what his kingdom was. Are you the king of the Jews? He was trying to define, is Jesus just somebody over a people group or, or an area or a region? And Jesus said this in verse 36. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. I mean, you know, the kingdom that the Lord represents is greater than any kingdom on our earth and on our world throughout history and even now. And Pilate responds in verse 37. 
oh, you are a king then. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I'm a king. So Jesus declared, yeah, I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, for this is why I came to the world, to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So he's declaring that he's king. He's declaring that his kingdom is not of this world. But man even still tries to restrict his kingdom rule and reign. It's interesting, when they crucified Jesus, what did they put on the plaque above his head? King of the Jews. Matthew 27, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Jesus is king of the Jews, but he's more than king of the Jews. Huh? Of a greater kingdom, of a greater authority. So you get the prophetic writings, you get the annunciation of his birth, you get the words of Jesus, and then you get the apostles confirming this as well. And in Acts chapter 17, there's an interesting passage where where, there were Paul and Silas and one or two others, there's a little group there, uh, have gone to spread the gospel in Thessalonica. And they begin to preach and they begin to declare the good news of Jesus. And they really do upset one or two people. You ever upset anybody because you've told them about Jesus? You are not alone. You are not the first. You will not be the last. So much so that a mob began to gather. And Jesus and his companions had been welcomed in the house of a guy called Jason. And so this mob pitches up outside of Jason's house, ready to do whatever to Jesus. Jesus isn't there. So they drag Jason out and they challenge him. And um, verse 7 says, uh, they're really making this accusation. Jason has welcomed this group, these, these apostles, into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. So the apostles are beginning to declare that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. You know, every time I say Jesus is king, you're allowed to say amen. It's not a problem this morning. Um, he's no ordinary king, though. Natural kingdoms come and go. But this is an eternal kingdom. What did Isaiah say? Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's going to continue. Um, then you get to Timothy, and Timothy writes uh, in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, He who is blessed, this is talking about Jesus, and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, one who is immortality, who, sorry, who has immortality, who dwells in an approachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. This Jesus, this immortal Jesus, this one that's higher than any other authority. He was called King of Kings alongside some of those other titles. And um, this unique, perfect role as God. And we'll look at that later and catch up with that in a, in a moment clearly being recognized as divine, of greater power than any natural authority. You know, I said a moment ago that natural kingdoms and kings come and go. But how many know what Hebrews says, where it says there in uh, Hebrews 13:8 that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a consistency about him. He's the king. He was king, he is king, he will be king. It's eternal. 
And this is the one we serve. This is the one who's looking out for you and I. This is the one whose side we are on. That eternal nature, we were talking about it a few weeks ago, weren't we? We were talking about the Alpha and Omega. And if you were here, I did that talk and got very enthusiastic and ran from one side of the building to the other. I'm not going to do that again. Um, Okay. So you get the prophets, you get the annunciation by the angel, you get the words of Jesus, you get the apostles. And then you get this revelation that John has, last book of scripture. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. I'm even glad that Jesus is alive, he's risen from the dead. We serve a risen saviour today. And he's alive. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. That puts him a level above. He's not only ruler of the kings of the earth, though. He's ruler over every principality and power in the heavenly realms. He's the supreme authority. This is our Jesus. We're going to look at this in a moment, but when you think about Jesus, one of the words, I don't know that we've done this one, or are going to do this one, which talks about the Lamb of God. Oh, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. But the Lamb of God, sorry, I just spotted Paul and Jackie. Hey, guys, great to see you here. These guys lead uh, City Church in Preston. Really good to see you this morning. The Lord bless you. Um, we were in the same group, youth group together. That's just, I just had a bit of a double take there when I saw you guys. So very warm welcome to you. Um, so Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. But when you get to the end of Revelation, there's some interesting pictures begin to emerge of a final battle. We've been singing songs about a battle this morning, even battles that we face, but there's a fi- There's a battle to come, and Revelation speaks of this final physical conflict of the armies of the world raging against uh, and attempting to thwart Jesus being declared Messiah, king over David's throne and his millennial rule. And it talks about a beast and his kings and the kings from all around the world will eventually gather to war against God at a place called Armageddon. And chapter, chapter 17, verse 14 says this, and John gets this picture, and he says they're going to wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Have we got any called, chosen, and faithful followers in the room today? And John sees, when you go two chapters later on to chapter 19, he sees this battle begin to unfold and play out. And in verse 11, I'm going to read a few verses from here because I want you to be encouraged today. John says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. 
And coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's an incredible picture of Jesus there, the supreme ruler, power, beginning to emerge. Heaven is opened and he comes. In this passage, he's referred to as faithful and true. How many of you know that what he says is totally reliable? He's totally reliable. He's totally faithful. His name suggests that there's a name of Jesus that no one knows but he himself. There's a mystery. How many of there's a mystery when it comes to Jesus? The Bible talks about him being of the order of a priesthood of Melchizedek. And there's a real mystery about that. And there's things yet to be revealed that we don't know all the story. One day we're going to have some revelation, more revelation than John had. When we get to heaven, there's going to be some things I believe that we will see and begin to understand. Be able to put a little bit more things in, in place in one sense. But he has the name. It does say he has the name, the Word of God. I don't even know the Word of God's powerful. Powerful. Like a two-edged sword, Scripture tells us. The word of God put creation into being. He spoke and it was. This is our God. This is the one I serve. This is the one you serve. This is the one who looks out for us. And on his thigh is that name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that highest authority. And then John begins to tell, as he's come, what is going to be accomplished. And in verse 19, it says, Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. With these signs he deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse and all the birds gorged on their flesh. There is victory through Jesus Christ. There is a coming victory, an ultimate victory where the hordes of the evil one will be dealt with completely and utterly. Today we have our battles but we've got one who ultimately is going to be supremely, supremely triumphant. I always reflect on the, um, the Gulf War, however many years ago that was, the first Gulf War, when the Allied armies were gathering, uh, was it in Q8, and General Norman Schwarzkopf was the Allied commander, and he, um, he was constantly being hounded for weeks by the press and the media asking, what, uh, when are we going to send the troops in? When are we going to send the troops in? And he said... At the moment, we have air superiority. When we have air supremacy, that's when the troops will go in. You know, we have a superiority with Jesus right now, but there is a supremacy coming when Jesus deals ultimately with every evil and every foe of his. Absolute power, ultimate victory. So he is the king of kings. How many of you are glad you're on the winning side? 
What about the thought then, Lord of Lords? The dictionary defines Lord as someone of noble rank or high office. You know, in the Old Testament, this phrase is used um, on two occasions to refer to God. So you find it in Deuteronomy 10, 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. That emphasis, again, on the power and might of the Lord. No one comparing with him. And then you find it in Psalms 136, verse 3. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. One who is faithful, one who is true, one who is consistent, one who will never let us down. Amazingly gracious towards us. Again, the emphasis on the one who was and is and is to come. Because then you go into the New Testament and three times you find the phrase Lord of Lords. And each time they are linked, that is linked with the phrase King of Kings. And we've read them already. 1 Timothy 6. 15, Revelation 17, 14, Revelation 19, 16. And for me, this sense in the New Testament, very clearly defining Jesus as the Lord of Lords, is a direct link to deity. Because in the Old Testament, they're talking about God of gods, Lord of Lords. It can only be one Lord of Lords. How many know that? You can't have two Lord of Lords. There's only one. So directly connecting so the early Jewish readers of the New Testament as we know it would have gone, wow, this is either blasphemy or truth, referring to Jesus as God, as deity. The Hebrew word would probably be Adonai, supreme Lord. The substitute for the word Jehovah, which of course the Jews would not pronounce. There's a sense of holiness about it sense of Christ being Lord of all. And then in the Greek, you find, I suppose the literal translation would be that passage, Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the literal translation would probably be King of all who are kinging it and Lord of all who are lording it. Making it very clear who this Jesus is, the ultimate one. No one compares to him. We sang a song, didn't we, this morning, there is no other name. Seated on high, the undefeated one. That's my Jesus. That's your Jesus. That's our Savior. The New Testament affirmation that Jesus is God. And here's the amazing thing. This Jesus, this Lord, with this kingdom, with this authority, with this rule and reign that will know no end, he invites you and I to be part of it. Wow. Luke 22, verse 19. Jesus says, And I confer a kingdom on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me. Do you ever just look at Scripture and go, Huh? Wow. There's something of the ruling and reigning of Christ that Christ wants to impart to us to be a part of this in a very special way. The amazing grace, the amazing love of God. I wonder if the musicians would come back. I'm going to wrap this up in a minute. And, you know, we've read Revelation 17 and 19, the coming of Christ, the, the heavens being open, coming on a white horse, his followers with him. 
But I want to encourage you today, you don't have to wait till then to know what it is to have some authority and a sense of ruling and reigning in life today. I forget which um, former pastor when I was young had a phrase he used to say, you know, here on earth right now we are in training for reigning. We don't have to wait till the coming of the Lord in that sense. But we can know something of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, enabling us to be the people he's called us to be. The work of the Holy Spirit. You know, we can't actually really declare that Jesus is Lord, Scripture tells us, unless the Holy Spirit has done a work in our lives. Find that in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Every one of us needs a personal revelation of who Jesus is. An understanding of what Jesus said about himself is absolutely true. That what the prophets of old said about him was absolutely true. That what the apostles declared about him was absolutely true. I hope each one of us here this morning can look back in our personal journey and history and say, there was a moment. There was a moment when all of a sudden it clicked. I told this story before, but I'm not sure he's here this morning. There's a guy called Eric. And we were doing an Alpha course, and I was doing a talk on why did Jesus die? And it's never happened before or since. I'm talking about why Jesus died, and all of a sudden he just shouts out from the group, I get it! I get it! I've heard about this, but I just get it now. A revelation came by the Holy Spirit. Every one of us needs that. That sense of who Jesus is. But then, you know, we've been talking about Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's making him Lord. (laughs) Whoa, there's a whole different story. Making him Lord of our lives. Saying, Lord, it's your agenda, not mine, that I'm willing to work with. It's a serious deal. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple, Matthew 14, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Paul to the Galatian church says in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You know, in some ways... We can find it a, a place to accept that Jesus died on a cross for us, was willing to give his life for us. But then he puts a call on our lives and says, are you willing to do the same for me? Are you willing to lay down your agenda? So, a lady called Emily Post. She was a 20th century American teacher on etiquette. We all like a nice bit of etiquette every now and again. One day she was asked, um, she was given a scenario. She said, what is the, she, she was asked, what is the correct procedure when one is invited to the White House but has a previous engagement in your diary? What do you do? What's the right etiquette? 
And she replied, an invitation to dine at the White House is a command and it automatically cancels any other engagement. When Jesus is challenging us to call him Lord of our lives, there's a command to that. And it's putting the agendas of life aside and saying, Lord, your will be done, your kingdom come in my life. Whatever you want me to do, I'll put all the rest aside. And if we're willing to do that, Joe encouraged us first thing this morning as we were worshipping about all the stuff that we may have got it wrong and we may have mucked up on that whole scenario of the Lordship of Christ in our lives. And he talked about, and I love what he said. I like what you said, Joe. It was Derek Prince. Well done for being honest. But he said, you know, if God had put our sins as far as from the north to the south, it's a definable distance. We've got a north pole and a south pole. But the east and the west just keep going going and going. I love that. And if we're willing to come to the Lord today and say, Lord, I really do want to make you Lord, and I've mucked it up in the past. He says, okay, let's deal with that. That's forgotten. That's gone. It's as far as the east from the west. Two Peter one eleven says, "You will re- receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You are welcome in His kingdom as you come, acknowledging Him as Savior and Lord." Revelation one six says, "He has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve His God and Father." We carry out our priestly activities in worship and prayer and adoration and being a witness to him in the world in which we live. I wonder if we could stand. Hmm. Ultimately, we're going to eat and drink at table of his kingdom it says in Luke 22 30 going to sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel Hmm. but there's a table prepared for me the song we sang earlier there's a table prepared for you even in the presence of our enemies right here right now on planet earth this is how I fight my battles in the knowledge that the enemy might be surrounding me but I'm surrounded by you. I'm on your side. But I just want to pray before we conclude for anyone today who just wants to reaffirm the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their lives, or maybe for the very first time, you want to say, I'm putting Jesus first. I thank Him for dying on the cross for me. I thank Him for the grace that He's shown towards me to forgive me of my sin, the stuff that's wrong in my life. And today, I want to step into this relationship with him and make him Lord of my life. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand right here, right now. Everybody's going to close their eyes. I'm going to pray. Yeah. Anybody want to declare again, reaffirm again to Jesus that he's Lord of your life? Yep, yep, yep. Great. Yeah, just keep your hands up raise your hands if that's you 
Lord, all across this room, we thank you that you see the thoughts of a most innermost being right at the very heart of who we are. You see our motivations, you understand us through and through. And Lord, right here, right now in this place, let your grace abound as we stand before you and in need of you. And we ask you to come by your Holy Spirit, that revelation of truth, of who you are and who we are in you. Lord, would you bring fresh revelation across this room and a fresh sense of wholeness and rightness, a sense of well-being in you as we put our hands into your hands. We put our agendas aside and we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, would you minister across this place today for everyone whose hand is raised. May they have a fresh sense of being a child of God. Your spirit bearing witness with their spirits right here, right now, that they are your children in Jesus' name. And that they are called to be rulers and reign with you. Ultimately, one day in an amazing way, but right here, right now, in everyday life having a fresh perspective on the challenges on the difficulties that come our way sometimes may each one know that there's a higher authority at work in Jesus name in Jesus name Amen